You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Pete Wilmoth. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's August 2nd. On Monday, Capital One announced that it had become the latest major company to experience a massive data breach. The hack reportedly compromised the personal information of more than 100 million customers. When a cyber attack like this occurs, how do people typically respond? RAND researchers conducted a survey to find out, back in 2015, when data breaches like this were already becoming a common part of American life. The big takeaway was that very few consumers penalize companies that are hacked. About a quarter of survey respondents said that they had been notified about their personal information being part of a data breach in the previous year. But only 11% of those people said that they stopped doing business with the company that was hacked. In fact, 77% said that they were highly satisfied with the company's response to the data breach. Respondents did suggest some ways that companies can improve, though. They recommended that companies, one, take measures to ensure that a similar breach won't happen again. Two, offer free credit monitoring or similar services to ensure that lost data isn't misused. And three, notify consumers immediately. This may surprise you, but consumers valued all three of these actions more than financial compensation. In 2018, nearly two-thirds of U.S. opioid overdose deaths involved synthetic opioids, primarily fentanyl. That's because these substances are much more potent than heroin or prescription painkillers. And what's more, they can easily be shipped by mail. As fentanyl permeates the market, the risk of fatal overdoses increases. Rand's Bryce Pardo testified before a House subcommittee last week stating that fentanyl and other synthetics are, quote, stretching our ability to respond to America's opioid crisis. But there are some policy options to consider right away, he says. There are four things that we can do in the short term. First, we need to improve the way we understand drug markets and how they operate. This includes improving the way we measure drug market indicators like overdose deaths and drug seizures. Second, We need to work better with China, increasing our ability to track the shipments of opioids and enhance their ability to effectively regulate their industries. Third, we need to do a better job at understanding and tracking high-level distributors and importers both in the United States and in China. Fourth, and most importantly, we need to do a better job at reducing demand for opioids here in the United States as well as reducing the risk of overdose. You can read Pardo's full testimony and watch a video of the highlights at RAND.org. Some threats to security at correctional institutions, violence, escape attempts, and contraband, for example, are as old as the institutions themselves. But as society and technology evolve, new threats are emerging, including hacking, synthetic drugs, and drones. And these threats aren't confined to the walls of correctional facilities. Many of them present risks to public safety. RAND researchers conducted a workshop with a group of experts to better understand how to address these challenges. One of the takeaways is the importance of a quality workforce to address these threats. People are often the weakest link in any security program, and correctional institutions can struggle with hiring and retention. Workshop participants also identified drugs, cell phones, and non-metallic weapons as the types of contraband that pose the greatest threat. Better technology could help detect these items. 
and implementing fully electronic mail systems could help reduce the influx of drugs in particular. Finally, they also described the threats posed by technology. It's becoming more important to provide inmates with access to technology to prepare them for re-entry into society. But very few institutions have the resources or foresight to fully address the risks to cybersecurity that comes along with that. As the two largest economies in the world, the United States and China face increasingly similar challenges when it comes to health. Domestically, both countries are dealing with an aging society, an increase in chronic medical conditions, and an increase in substance use disorders. And globally, both face pandemics, health problems brought on by climate change, mass migration, and bioterrorism. That's according to Rand's Jennifer Bowie, who testified before the U.S.-China Commission Wednesday morning. She's an epidemiologist whose research centers on global health strategies and social determinants of health. Bowie explored a crucial question. Can the United States and China work together to address threats to global health? They've done so in the past, on infectious disease control, as well as research on cancer and other non-communicable diseases. But tensions between Washington and Beijing are rising in other areas, like trade. Look no further than the new tariffs that President Trump announced this week and the likely Chinese countermeasures that may be in place by the time you hear this. Such tensions may jeopardize future cooperation on global health. That said, Bowie's testimony does outline a few specific opportunities for cooperation. For example, Washington could encourage greater Chinese collaboration with multilateral entities, such as the World Health Organization. Another promising idea is to work toward regulatory harmony, says Bowie. Collaborations between the U.S. FDA and its Chinese counterpart, for example. Read Bowie's full testimony at RAND.org. For several years, the United States and Russia have been using cyber attacks to target each other's civilian infrastructure, particularly power grids. But recent reports suggest that the aggression and scope of these operations may now be unprecedented. How can Washington address this cyber showdown without risking the safety of civilians? Rand's Joe Cherovich explains that Russian cyber operations benefit from the highly permissive mandate granted by an authoritarian state. The United States would be loath to follow Russia's path in this regard. By no means should the Kremlin's activity go unanswered. But an overly aggressive response by the U.S. could jeopardize the few fragile norms that exist, perhaps even leading to cyber attacks on nuclear facilities. Cherovich recommends that the U.S. step back and reevaluate its approach. So far, Washington has dedicated too little effort to understanding the complexity of Russia's view of cyber warfare and deterrence, he says. And it's important to treat the situation as a long-term struggle, one that requires innovative and thoughtful solutions, not reflexive ones. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. See you next week.